All right, I promised it last week. Here it is. We're going to talk about pain and suffering. Um, this is an extremely difficult topic to talk about, especially in front of people, uh, because it's everybody hurts and everybody wants to wants it to be better. Everybody wants it to be fixed. Nobody wants to be in pain. Um, so um, my answer is not going to be perfect as we are imperfect in our understanding as human beings of everything that has to do with pain and suffering. But tonight we're going to lean on the Bible um, to try to, uh, you know, come together and understand it a little bit better. All right. So I listed, you know, I came up with four different types of pain and suffering. There's disciplinary suffering or decision-based suffering. So basically you did something wrong and you're paying for it. There's incidental suffering, and that could be something that's not necessarily someone's fault. Uh, a car accident, drowning, birth defects, cancer, or just an unforeseen circumstance. And there's suffering from, from malicious intent. I mean, we just saw that in the, the shooting in Florida, malicious intent, you know, one person taking it upon themselves to hurt others. And then there's suffering due to natural disasters, what we, could, we would consider, you know, or most people would consider acts of God, you know, un, unavoidable, huge events, okay? And each of these is covered in Scripture, So why does pain exist? Where did it come from? What's the root cause? Well, it happened in the garden. When uh, Adam and Eve committed the first sin, everything was broken. And God said to Adam, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, do not eat from it. The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. So not only did Adam introduce sin into the world through his sin, and, and you know, sin was able to abound uh, through, this, through this first sin, but it also affected the physical and the natural world. See, defects were introduced into the gene pool, and the, the natural world itself was broken. Um, Isaiah affirms this here in our, in our next slide about the natural world. The earth mourns and withers. The world wastes away and withers. The exalted people of the earth waste away. The earth is polluted by its inhabitants, for they have transgressed teachings, overstepped decrees, and broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse has consumed the earth, and its inhabitants have become guilty." God created us perfect. He created the world perfect. But through sin, imperfection and corruption was introduced. God, in his wisdom, gave, created Adam and us in his image. And uh, in doing so, granted Adam the ability to choose. He, chose, he had the ability to choose God or sin. And he chose sin. And we are still reaping the, uh, the repercussions of that. All right, I think most of us are familiar with the story of Job. 
Um, speaking of pain and suffering, God allows it and sets the limits of it. We see this in the first chapter of Job, where Job loses everything. Satan comes up to God and he's like, this guy will not serve you if I take away everything he has. If I torment him, he will curse you and he will not follow you anymore. So very well, the Lord told Satan, everything he owns is in your power. However, you must not lay a hand on Job himself. And this goes farther in the next chapter. You know, he says, you know, I haven't taken away his health yet, God. So he says, go ahead, take away his health, but don't take his life. So all Job was left with was his wife and his life. So in our suffering, there is a measure of peace to be had in knowing that God sets the limit of, of how much suffering we are intended to face. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, he eases our suffering and, and, and there could be a miracle take place and, and physically we'll be healed or physically you see someone else healed but, or sometimes the limit of it is our lives and we, and we end up the better for it in the long run because we're with him. But that's up to him to decide and that's, 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 the, that's what we can't explain is where is the limit? Where does God set the limit for each of us personally? And it's on, it's on his terms. It's not on our terms. Um, this is Elihu's response to Job's three friends who weren't speaking truth into his life. They were, they were saying, Job, it must be because of something you've done. This has got to be because of your personal sin that God has done this to you. This must be because of your personal sin that you're struggling in this way. But Elihu steps in and he goes, he goes I'm the youngest here. And y'all are older than me, so I've let you talk, but hear me out. This is, the, this is the truth. This is the truth. When God is silent, who can declare him guilty? When he hides his face, who can see him? Yet he watches over both individuals and nations so that godless men should not rule or ensnare the people. Suppose someone says to God, I have endured my punishment. I will no longer act wickedly. Teach me what I cannot see. If I have done wrong, I won't do it again. And he asked the question, should God repay you on your terms when you have rejected his? His terms in suffering, whether it's short or long term, is that you're going to live it out to his appointed time. And we try to make a deal with God, whether we've done something wrong or not, we're like, God, just show me, show me what I've done. I, I, I promise I've learned my lesson please just fix this affliction in my life. Just take it away, Lord. And that's, that's not always his plan. I mean, most everybody here knows that, 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 that God, <laughs> whether he chooses to ease the suffering or not, it, it's his prerogative. So Elihu was trying to speak truth into their lives here. Let's look at a few responses to uh, pain in the Bible as uh, we're given examples, uh, thank God, in his word of, of, of righteous people as, as they dealt with, with these different types of suffering. David here was uh, due to, to discipline. He had murdered a man and taken his wife and um, I, I, think, uh, I think I went one too far, Craig. 
Yeah, this is where I wanted to be. Sorry. He, he had murdered a man and taken his wife. And when he realizes the sin, when Nathan points it out to him and says, you are the man who did this, he, he writes out his thoughts. And these, these are them. I am conscious of my rebellion and my sin is always before me. Against you, you alone, I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. He's talking to God. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. So instead of saying, God, I've learned my lesson, you know, just, 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 don't, just don't destroy me, Lord. Don't do this. He was like, you, Lord, you are right in passing this judgment. And I will take it however you see fit to give it. And that's the proper response for when we make mistakes, we are subject to him. And this is in response to, uh, this, is, this is the rest of the story. Um, his child is born, it's born sick, and it's dying. And, and David is laying prostrate before the Lord, the Bible tells us, and, and weeping and praying that, that the Lord would spare his son you know, because he was losing his son because of his sin. And, and David's attitude completely changes after he learns that his son dies. And, and this, is, this is his response. He, get, he got up from the ground, he washed, anointed himself, changed his clothes, went to the Lord's house and worshiped. And his servants, I left out this verse, but his servants were like, David, what are you doing? Why are you... Why have you completely changed? Why, why are you up and around now when just a few minutes ago before you found out your son was dead, you were laying face down on the ground begging the Lord to spare him? And David answered, while the baby was alive, I fasted and wept because I thought, who knows? Maybe, maybe the Lord will be gracious to me and let him live. But now that he is dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I'll go to him, but he will never return to me. I think the key here in David's response to his discipline from the Lord is that he got up, washed, anointed himself, changed his clothes, went to the Lord's house, and worshiped. Thank you, Lord. I just want to say, as, as far as... Um, what David was saying about maybe the Lord will be gracious to me, that applies to any situation, any situation in which we're suffering. You know, the Lord may step in and be gracious and merciful to us, but he also may let us have it for a little longer because he's trying to either teach us something or he's trying to teach someone else something through our suffering and our witness as we are loyal to him, as we sing his praise even in the midst of suffering. Um, and then there's other times where we're just not going to understand it. Just, just bottom line. So that was David's proper response. What about a proper response when it doesn't seem like we deserve the pain and the suffering that we're facing? Here's Job's after his wife tells him, you know, how are you still maintaining your integrity, Job, after all these things that have happened? You should just curse God and die. He's not here for you. And this is Job's response. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will leave this life. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Praise the name of Yahweh. 
Should we accept only good from God and not adversity? Through all this, Job did not sin in what he did. And the Bible is very clear. He did not sin, but he was still facing pain and suffering. I think a lot of times we try to trace back anything we face to, man, maybe it was this thing I did wrong uh, and God's punishing me for it now. Maybe it's a penance that I'm having to pay. But that's not, that's not always the case. It's not always the case. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah's response to malicious suffering, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is uh, Nebuchadnezzar had built, you know, an altar and an idol to himself. And he said, if you don't worship this, then you're going to suffer. You're going to pay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurt you. I'm going to kill you. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they wouldn't bow. They stood there and, and he said, I'm going to raise the temperature of this fire even hotter. There's no way you're going to escape this if you don't bow to me. And they replied to him, you know, we can't. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of the blazing fire and he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. And, and the key to this is, and this is a key to all suffering, not just when you're being persecuted or when somebody is out to get you or when so, somebody else causes you harm. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you to know that we will not serve your gods. We will not abandon the Lord. He has brought us this far. And that's, that's an important thing for us to remember in our suffering. A lot, a lot of times we ask this question, but I'm a Christian. Why does God allow me to suffer? We talked about the proper responses to pain, but that still leaves the question of why God allows pain to take place, especially in our lives as Christians. And this is C.S. Lewis responding to that. We talked about him. I've talked about him a couple, couple times in, in these talks. Uh, godly man, apologist. Smarter than you and I, for sure. Uh, anyways, this is his take on it. He gets this from the word. He gets this from, this is biblically based. He says, pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And that's his explanation of pain. It's just, man, he just hits it on the head, I feel like. Pain makes us aware of our need for a relationship with God and the need for his daily mercies. You know, if, if we were allowed to just go on in, in, in our sin and, and we weren't made to face struggles, if we were allowed, like we had the guys here this morning with the addictions, if God had not caused the struggles in their lives and caused the failures in their lives and they were just allowed to keep just consuming drugs and just get worse and worse and worse without repercussions, it would have completely destroyed them. But in his mercy and in his love, he allowed them to suffer. 
He allowed their families to fall apart. Those guys are a heck of a witness. It really, it really spoke to me this morning, just, just listening to them and, and what they had to say. This is where C.S. Lewis gets his theology. Pain is a teacher. This is Paul talking about his own afflictions, about his daily afflictions that, he's, that he has to deal with. He says, therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me, so that I would not exalt myself. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times to take it away from me. I want to stop just for a second. This is Paul the apostle saying, I pleaded with the Lord three times to take it away from me. Paul didn't lack faith, okay? The Lord left this thorn in his flesh. Paul the apostle. So he, he might leave some thorns in your flesh as well to deal with. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Next slide, please, Craig. And finish the passage here. Thank you. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weaknesses. He takes pleasure in weaknesses, insults, catastrophes, persecutions, and in pressures because of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I'm going to get a little personal with you now. Talk about my own struggles, my own pain. Up until a couple months ago, I couldn't have talked about this subject. I'm just going to be honest with you because I was still at that place where it was like, Lord, I'm trying to do all uh, the, the right thing. I'm trying to learn everything I can. God, just, I feel like this is a hindrance in my life. Would you please just take this away from me? And I was missing. I was missing the point. I was, I was missing what he had been doing with it for years now. I, I, I suffer from uh, PTSD and, and depression um, from some things that uh, went on while I was in the military. And, uh, you know, I pleaded with the Lord to just, to, just to fix it, God. It's holding me back. And I didn't realize the whole time that that, that pain, instead of holding me back, it was pushing me forward. It gave me a hunger for, for the word of God. I wanted to find out more about, you know, it, why am I in pain, Lord? Like, I, I, I want to have a better explanation. I want to have a better understanding for myself about your word. And it drove me forward. It, it drove me back to the church because I was out of the, I was out of the church. I was, I was coping with my pain with... Sex and alcohol, straight up. That's how, that, that's how I was dealing with it. But the, the, the guilt that built up inside of me from, from doing those things and as, as how I was dealing with my pain, if, if the Lord wouldn't have, you know, drove it home on me at that point, 
and my pain just continued to increase despite how I was trying to cope with it. If my pain wouldn't have increased, I might not be here right now. But in his love and in his mercy, he has allowed it to persist as it continues to drive me forward. And instead of being sad about it or being like, wow, the Lord's Lord's just not going to do anything. Well, you know, woe is me as I was being in my immaturity and my lack of understanding. I can now, and I don't know when it hit me as truth. I would have said it, but not really meant it up until the last few months. But now I can say I am thankful for the pain that has been in my life. As, as it, like, as, like I said, it has pushed me instead of held me back. As I, the words left my mouth, it's holding me back, Lord. But it, it really wasn't. It was, it was guiding me. Let's talk about this. This is something that, you know, confuses a lot of people. And, and to, to be honest, it, it probably confused me for a while too. And by probably, I mean... This type of message definitely confused me in my suffering. I'm not going to tell you who this is for now, but we're, we're going to talk about it. God's not trying to take something from you. He's trying to get something to you. If you'll trust him and do what you know you need to do, you'll come into a new level of your destiny. Is this Super Mario? We're going to a new level of destiny? I... I is that in the Bible? A new level of destiny. Um, this is talking about physical prosperity. God's going to fix your problems for you. All you got to do is have faith. Next slide, please. Here's another one. Different guy, same kind of story, except he takes a little farther into heresy. He, Jesus, suffered and died to get it to you. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. So he's saying Jesus died to make you rich and take away your earthly sorrow. Poverty itself is a spiritual problem. The first quote was the smiling preacher, Joel Osteen. This one is Kenneth Copeland. I actually suffered through an entire message on poverty that he gave. And when when I got to this part, I had to turn it off. Goodness gracious. Um, they're, They're popular. They're popular because their message takes away our our responsibility for sin. It takes away our responsibility for problems. And, it, and it's, it's, just, it's just not true. You know, and when, when I think of poverty as a spiritual problem, there are missionaries and people around the world who are walking into poverty-stricken situations to bring the gospel. So poverty is not a spiritual problem. Expecting wealth because of the suffering of Christ is a spiritual problem. Okay, thank you. Sorry. You're on it, Craig. You're the man. He is. He is awesome. 
I got to recognize you every night so all the Facebook Live people can know what's going on. (laughs) This is Jesus with the truth. And this is a hard truth. This one's hard to understand. As As he was passing by, he saw a blind man, a man blind from birth. His disciples questioned him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Apparently, they forgot the lessons from Job as well, Jesus' disciples. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus answered. This came about so that God's works might be displayed in him. So the, the suffering that we face, the things that happen to us, you know, it's, a, it's loss or, or pain or persistent agony that we might have to go through. It's not necessarily because we've sinned, but, that, but, but consider that it might be so that the glory of God might be displayed in, in what's going on around you. Uh, I want you to consider the story of Jim Elliott. Most people know who Jim Elliott was. He was a missionary to Ecuador. And he took a few guys with him. And the tribe that they meant to bring the gospel to killed them. Killed them. You know, Jim Elliott and his friends, it wasn't because of sin in their life, but so that God's works might be displayed in their sacrifice, in their death. It cost them their lives. God's limit for them, he set that limit at their lives. But the end of the story is the best part. His wife went down there and was able to minister to the people, to finish what he had started. I'd, I'd like to meet her. I'll have to talk to her that she was able to do that. I don't think I'm there yet, just to be honest with you. That's, that's powerful testimony. And, and many of those people were reached um, it, it wasn't like, it, it was to no effect. There was a powerful movement of God in what she did with, with the others who, who went with her. And Jesus finally, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. He doesn't pull any punches. He says, you will have suffering in this world. And he's speaking to believers. Yeah, it's absolutely, it's absolutely true. And it conflicts directly with uh, the smiling preacher and the, the other guy, Mr. Copeland. Our hope is in him. No matter what we face in this life, he is there. That's why he says, you may have peace. He grants us peace. We talked about all the things, all the promises, the spiritual promises that God offers last week as we, as we read, read all that scripture and, and all the things he says will happen. You know, you will turn to him. Regeneration, spiritual regeneration. And here's the ultimate guarantee at the end of all things. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will no longer exist. Grief, crying, and pain will exist no longer because the previous things have passed away. And that's, that's not in the now. 
That's in the later. That's the, end of the story. That's the end of the story. God already knows the end of the story. Jesus already fixed the spiritual problems at the cross. God's going to fix all the physical problems in the new creation. And, and that's the truth of, of pain and suffering. But until then, as Jesus said, you will have suffering. And it's up to us to respond correctly as the examples I've mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's peace in knowing that, you know, he, he says, I'm in charge of this. You know, it, it, all the pain that you're going to face, especially with his apostles. He told Peter in the Bible, your hands are going to be stretched out. You are going to be crucified. That doesn't mesh with the prosperity gospel of everything's going to be all right if you have faith. You don't think Peter at that point when, when he was, his hands were being stretched out, that he didn't have faith? It's, it's absurd to, 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 to say that. And uh, I, got, I got one more slide here, and then I'd like us to sing a song together. Yes, I knew that Kelly was going to get to sing the song. Yeah. So, Mildred, if you'll go ahead and come up here while I'm telling the, the story. Thank you. Um, it is well with my soul. Some of you might be familiar with the story behind it, but here it is. It was written by Horatio G. Spafford. He was a Chicago businessman. His son died of pneumonia in 1871, and his business burned to the ground in the Great Chicago Fire the same year. In 1873, while crossing the Atlantic, the ship that his wife and his four daughters were on sunk, and all four of his daughters were killed. His wife arrived in Europe only to send him a telegram and it said simply this, saved alone, what shall I do? He immediately got on a boat to go join her there to grieve with her. And as he was on that ship, on his way to Europe, sailing over the spot where his children had just been killed, he wrote this song. And I'd like us to, uh, you know, if you want to sing along, you can. But I would really just like you to consider this man's situation. It's a, it's a more modern-day Job, 1870s, ain't that far away. Uh, and, and, and contemplate within yourselves. Uh, yeah, I know I'm not, man, I, I don't know. I haven't, been, I haven't been there. I don't know if I could. Your God has. Yeah, yeah, the Lord has. Whatever comes your way, he, he's capable of taking care of it. He's capable of giving you peace um, and uh, yeah I'd just like to sing this now <clears throat> when peace like a river attendeth my way when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well. 
I think that answers most of the questions, but if we got any questions about pain and suffering tonight, uh, me and my friends will uh, try to answer them. I think... Uh, Well, let's uh, give to the Lord as we should everything. God, I, I thank you for who you are in all of our lives. 